Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is Monday, October the 11th, 2021, and today we're going to do a show that kind of was spurred on by a question on Thursday's Expert Council show last week. Somebody wrote in and asked Ken Berry for advice on kind of a protein keto bar that didn't suck. And Ken gave some answers to that. And he also threw in, like, here's some things I do rather than rely on protein bars, like have some boiled eggs and some bacon and stuff like that that are kind of to-go foods that can be grabbed out of the refrigerator, last a long time in the fridge. No problem making it through a day even, too, without refrigeration unless you, like, put it in the sun on the, you know, dashboard of your car or whatever. And I gave up some ideas, and I was like, you know, I could do a whole show on this really easily. Like how to pregame, you know, your days, your weeks, et cetera, when you're going to be out of the house, and how to have food to go so that you can stay keto when you're away from home. And further, everything I'm going to give you today, with a little less effort, I guess you'd say, can be done at home for those of you that work from home. Because we're kind of divided now, aren't we, into two primary groups of people, those who work from home and those who don't, right? Like there's more work from home than ever. There's still plenty that do Leave the house every day to go to work. And if you work from home, the danger is actually that because it's so easy, you don't pregame anything. And then what ends up happening is, well, crap, I'll just eat a sandwich today or something like that. Especially if you have kids in the house and you haven't gotten them on the keto thing and there's other foods there, like you just default to what's easy. Trust me, I know. That's how I fell off the wagon for a little while, you know. Not real bad, but enough to, to upset the apple cart. And then if you do go to work every day, You, if you don't pregame it, you don't take food with you, you end up going out to eat or go down to the cafeteria or whatever, and you can do your best to stay on keto, but they do their best to keep you off keto. And the reason is that if I'm a restaurant, I want to sell you a great big looking plate of food with a little bitty piece of meat on it. And I don't want to do that because I'm part of some evil cabal or conspiracy or something like that. No, I want to do that because I make lots of money that way. Because if what I'm selling you is potatoes and rice and uh, other carbohydrates and bread, etc., my markup on that's really, really good. And I can make great tasting food, very filling, and make you feel like you got a lot for your money. For a $12 plate, I can make you feel really good about it, but I might have two bucks in that. And I'm making $10 a plate. And, and just think about it. Like I'm as, I'm as well off as a restaurant selling a $12 plate of food that cost me two bucks, that I am selling a $30 plate of food that cost me 20 bucks. So it's it's just a decision, and they put certain additives and stuff in their foods and flavorings because, well, it makes people happy, and that means they come back and they buy more. So there's a real danger when we start relying on restaurants, etc. It doesn't mean we can't go out to eat, but it costs a lot of money, and it's going to degrade in the health quality of the food that we're eating if we're doing it all the time. So I decided to do a show today that would be for everybody. So even if you think, well, Jack, it's not for me because I'm not keto. I think you're crazy. Every tactic I'm going to give you today, every concept I'm going to give you today, you can apply it to whatever healthy diet, at least that you believe is healthy, that you're living on. And if you start doing it, you might realize how unhealthy your diet actually is. Even if you don't come over to my side of things, you might end up being more of a primal uh, paleo type uh, if you start doing this. But you will start to really quickly realize 
the garbage the average American eats, and why food is the biggest killer in America today. With that, before we get on into it, let's go ahead and hear from our two sponsors of the day. Sponsor today, number one today, is KnifeKits.com. How about making an heirloom with your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, your niece, your nephew, etc.? How about getting a knife kit, doing it with them, teaching them how to do it, and saying, now this is yours? What do you think that will mean to them 20, 30 years from now or you know, 10 years after you're gone? And you'll learn a skill together, and maybe it'll become a hobby. Maybe it'll become a side hustle. Maybe it'll become a full-time business. But KnifeKits.com makes it easy to start and get started. There's tons of options there. Go check it out. And even if you don't know what you're doing, between YouTube and the videos and books that they sell at, uh, at Knife Kits, anybody can learn to at least start with and finish a kit knife. Next up today, the Free State Project. Um, Free State Project is the organization that I've supported the longest at TSP. Like when I look at not just brands, but like organizations that are trying to actually get something done. I've worked with a lot. And most of the ones I've worked with, I still really love what they are doing and, and, and how they're doing it, and I still try to mention them from time to time. But the organization that I have always brought to you as someone to really look at just to understand how to get things done effectively, to determine whether being part of it is right for you or not, and with an understanding of liberty anywhere is good for liberty everywhere is the Free State Project. You can find out more at fsp.org. And if you'd like to know more about living in New Hampshire, about what the Free State Project does in New Hampshire, how the Free State Project is dragging New Hampshire against its will, kicking, screaming into the world of liberty, but you're not ready to just commit right away, take a vacation to one of the most beautiful states in the country, New Hampshire, get in touch with them, and they'll put you in touch with people in the area you're going to be in vacation with, and you can meet some people, learn, you know, learn the things that that tourists generally don't know when they go visit a place. So like The worst thing that happens is you take a great vacation aside, nice place to visit, I don't want to live there. Best thing that happens is maybe you find a new home. Learn more at fsp.org forward slash visit NH. And with that, let's go ahead and dig on into today's episode of the Survival Podcast. And with that, I want to I want to jump kind of into this subject uh, with you guys. So this, like I said in the intro, started last week uh, when somebody wrote in to Ken Berry and said, hey, um, I want to stay keto. There's times when it's hard when I'm traveling or when I'm working and I, I leave the house and I, I don't take anything with me. And uh, it'd be great if I had like some sort of like a protein bar, keto bar, something like that, that bluntly doesn't suck. And uh, I'm going to be honest, a lot of the protein bars and things like that out there suck. Uh, from a flavor standpoint, and a lot of them are not protein bars. They're carbohydrate bars with protein in them. Uh, that certainly doesn't work for keto, so Ken gave some options. And then kind of segued into, like, but here's some other things you can do. And one of the things he said was, like, you know, one of the things that I do is, uh, you know, I'll boil up uh, half a dozen or a dozen eggs at the beginning of a week and fry up some bacon and put them in the refrigerator. And then when I'm leaving, you can grab, like, two eggs and, like, four rashers of bacon, throw them in a a bag or a Tupperware and just take that with you. And that that's easy going to go a day without any refrigeration. So it didn't really answer the caller's question or the uh, the writer's question, because it's a, a written question, um, on how to have a protein bar type thing where you just throw it in your bag and on Tuesday, three weeks from now, you forgot to take stuff with you and it's there. Handled that and said, hey, here's some other ways to think about this. I kind of added to that, and as I was doing it, I'm like, I have so much for this, 
it would probably make a great standalone episode. It, it really would. And so that's what I'm going to do today because I kind of threatened to do it last week. And what I want to start out with is some basic tactics and concepts here that have less to do with keto and more to do with how Americans eat, um, you know, how, how Americans eat, how Americans, Americans fail to eat health, healthy, how Americans spend way too much money if they're people who do not take lunch with them on a daily basis when they go to the office, um, how many people would be just fine if you just gave your body a chance to adapt to a two-meal-a-day um, uh, schedule. Um, I don't know that you'll be able to do that on anything other than kind of a keto diet, you know, a high-protein, high-fat, low, low, low-carbohydrate diet. But if you get into that, you will absolutely adapt to two meals a day. You may even find yourself over time not even to worry about this subject much anymore, other than maybe you're taking more of a lunch snack than you are a lunch lunch, right? And it, it just kind of happens. But, and somebody's asking about pickled eggs in the comments. Pickled eggs are fine as long as they don't have too much sugar in them. That's, that's the thing. Um, when, we, when we make our own foods... We're generally going to, with lunches, tend to rely a lot on leftovers or bulk purchase. So we're going to spend less money. We're, going to, we're not going to be going to restaurants, and we really need to think about what a person that runs a restaurant, how they think. And, and to understand why the food that we eat in restaurants is generally so nutritionally poor for us. Even if it's a good restaurant. And it's not because... You know the guy that runs the local restaurant sitting there going, how do I kill people today? It's not, it's not like that. What it is, is they're trying to figure out how to survive in an incredibly cutthroat market. And if I can throw an additive into my food that enhances flavor, that makes people come back for more, I'm going to end up doing it. If I can build a plate that I sell for 12 bucks, mostly on starches and low-cost uh, vegetarian stuff, and then put a little piece of meat with it, and people feel like they got a lot of food, and I could sell that for 12 bucks and $10 of its profit, I'm going to do it, and I'm probably more likely to do that than sell a plate of food that cost me $20 for 30 even though I make the same amount because I'm going to sell more plates. So the entire restaurant industry is so cutthroat that if you're relying on it daily, it's very difficult to stay in a situation where you're able to eat right if you believe that the keto lifestyle or something close to it is right. It's very, very difficult. If you go out Friday evenings only, it's actually not very hard because you, you can go afford to pay a little bit more. You can put in a special order. You can say, hey, bring me this thing with none of the sides. And they're like, but they're free. I don't want them. I don't want to throw them away. And throw two quail on that plate, right? There's a place I go called Gloria's. I'll get like the steak and the shrimp. And that's like rice and beans. I'm like, I don't need any of that. But it's free. Nope, I don't need any of that. And uh, I mean, that steak's a 10-ounce steak. And I this, maybe it's a one-meal-a-day day for me. And I'm like, you know what? Throw a, They'll throw a, a grilled quail on there for an extra four bucks, right? And I'm out 16 bucks. But so what? So what? I got three shrimp, a piece of steak, and a quail for $16, $18. I'm good. But I'm not going to do that every day. So while you can eat okay, you know, with that kind of frequency, when you start doing it daily, it really cuts into you. And then if you stay home and say, well, that doesn't apply to me, 
well, then you still kind of like you're working. I know when I'm working from home, and I have for years and years, over a decade now, full time, that you get in the groove of working, and then finally you're like, man, I, I just got to stop and eat. And then if you didn't pregame anything, you just, you know, you kind of default to whatever's easiest. And the kids were here yesterday, and hey, they made corn muffins, and there's one in there, and one won't hurt me. And, you know, once is a thing, and then twice is the beginnings of a habit, and three times is a habit. And it's just as easy to go in a bad habit as a good habit. So all of this is designed to stay off of that. Um, starting off with, you do save money when you make your own, guys. And the amount of money you save, a lot of people are writing me like, man, I wish I could afford to invest in Bitcoin, but I can't afford to invest in Bitcoin. You know, they're $45,000, $50,000 a piece. I don't have that sitting around. Uh, it, it, shocking, you can buy like 50 bucks worth of Bitcoin. You can buy $10 worth of Bitcoin. I've seen it done. You can buy any amount, but they'll be like, well, I don't even have that. Right? I don't have any extra money to invest in, in Bitcoin or stocks or anything. And then you talk to those people, and many of them, like, they're spending $10 a day, you know, on lunch. That's $50 a week. That's $200 a year or $200 a month. That's $2,400 a year. And just think if over the last 10 years you'd put an extra $2,400 a year invested into your future, whether it was stocks, crypto, gold, silver, whatever. Like, well, gold, you'd actually have the same amount of money you put in. Just saying, Peter Schiff. But, you know, anything else, you would have a decent return by now. And if nothing else, you'd have $24,000, even if you put it in gold or held it in cash. And you can save that kind of money very, very easily by taking this approach. And if you are going to be gone for maybe a couple days in some situations, freeze before you leave, right? So... What you can do is take some of your meals, throw them in the freezer, keep them in the freezer, and pull them out of the freezer, however that's going to work out for you, and throw them in a small lunch cooler. And you can basically have a refrigerated meal and a frozen meal side by side, and the frozen meal pretty much helps. And then you know, take a, a water bottle full of, full of water, throw it in the freezer, there's your ice pack, and you can easily go two days with foods like that, especially if they're cooked. Right? We're talking about cooked foods here. So freeze before you leave in a small cooler, um, really helps a lot with, the, with this type of thinking. And unless you're going extended duration, like if you're a trucker and you're going to be on the road for three, four days at a time or something, negate what I'm about to say. But if you're you know, going to work every day or something and you come home every night, like you don't need a super badass cooler. I mean, any little cheapo, soft-sided, lunch-sized cooler is plenty. Just make sure if you're going to have anything in there that's going to, like, perspire like ice packs or something, it's leak-proof. You know, uh, Read your reviews if you're going to order something like that. But you're actually just trying to keep the food cool. You're not trying to keep it super cold or anything like that. There's, there's better ways to do that if, if you need to. Um, I would also put in a big hoorah for a big name brand, and I probably don't agree with the company on much, but they build a damn good product for this lifestyle, is Glad, like as in Glad Bags. Glad makes basically a reusable, cheap Tupperware-type uh, product line. And I'm sure they wear out. I have yet to wear one out. And they make them from little bitty ones up to like great big flat ones, all different things like that. And we use those extensively um, for meal prep. So, And my meal prep is like, it's a lot like eat what you store and store what you eat. I am not about like, hey, let's... Uh, Get together on Sunday and make the whole week's stuff. If that works for you, do it. It's fine. It's a great strategy. It's just not me. 
My kind of like meal prep for tomorrow is like I'll have a big hunk of steak for dinner and maybe I have some leftovers. And then right at the end of the meal, like once it's cooled down and it'll cut nicely, dice it up. And then I'll put that in a, you know, a Tupperware thing and maybe some other stuff that we'll get to in a bit. But like I'm basically finishing dinner and taking whatever's a leftover and putting it in a format where it's going to work well with very little effort for lunch the next day or two. And I think that's a really good strategy. And read, read the freaking label, man, on anything as we start going through like ideas. I've talked about this before, but most people would be like, if you were in a, a line at like Home Depot or Lowe's, and let's see in the comments section who's, who's been in such a line sometime in the recent present, right? Um, Probably just about everybody you've had to make a supply run or something, and you're you're there or you're at the feed store or something like that. And, and what do they always have when you're checking out? They have you know candies and gums and stuff like that. And you're sitting there and you, maybe you're hungry, you didn't eat, you didn't have it, you don't have anything with you, and you look and well, there's a bag of beef jerky. Well, gee, that that has to be keto. Maybe it doesn't have a lot of fat in it, but it, it it's meat. It can't have a lot of sugar in it. A bag, like the, the larger size kind of snack bag, it's like five ounces or something like that, or three and a, three and a half ounces is what it is. Three and a half ounces of Jack Link's plain old regular beef jerky has twice the calories of a can of Coke, and it has more sugar than a can of Coca-Cola. If you look, you know, servings per container and multiply, which you need to do if you're going to eat the whole little bag, which if you're me and you open a bag of jerky, it's gone. So now you're thinking, well, I did good. I, I got beef jerky. I got beef jerky. I, I, didn't, I didn't wreck my blood sugar today. I was good. I, I, maybe I need a little bit of fat or something like that, but I, I stayed on the keto train. Yay. No, you would have actually probably been better off if you got the little bag of gummy bears, the little bag, because you would have had less total calories and about the same amount of carbohydrates. And so you have to read labels, especially we're going to talk about some things with like, you know, meat sticks and sausages and stuff like that. And a lot of that stuff does have some sugar in it, but you need, you need to like read down into it because if it ends up being for the amount you're going to eat one or two carbs and you're on a primarily a carnivore diet where you're not even getting close to your total carbs allowance per day, so what? So what if it works, you know? It, I, I think it would be, in most cases, better off without it. But so what if it works? But you've got to really... Don't pick up a stick of pepperoni, right? Because there's different brands. And some and I don't want to get into brands today, but there's some brands I don't even look at them anymore when I walk into the, the grocery store because I know that that stick of pepperoni, that you know third of a pound of pepperoni that I'm going to chop up and eat, and I will eat a, a meal of a hard meat like that, um, you know, it has 18 carbs in it. And I know another brand, you know, I'll chop it up and eat the same amount, and it has, for that amount, it has like one or two. Almost all of them have a little bit of sugar because of the curing process, but there's absolutely no need to be damaging yourself and damaging your efforts because you didn't read a label. And uh, as always, like I kind of started out with, start thinking right now with, instead of there's dinner and there's lunch, right, the next day. And lunch has to come from some new place, right? It has to be some new idea or some new thought process or something. 
if you ate it last night, there's no reason you can't eat it today this, this for lunch. Or if you, like, I really just don't want steak for dinner last night and steak for lunch today. Sorry you feel that way. I don't. But if you do, then, you know, maybe you had chicken the night before. So you have chicken one night, and then the next day you have steak, and then you kind of alternate. But if it was good enough to eat before, it's good enough to eat now. And if you're eating actual keto, then all you have to do is kind of repurpose and repackage, right? So I'm going to give you some ideas, but always kind of start with that thought of reusing and not wasting your food. Because what happens in, inevitably is people will put food away in the refrigerator, And if they're not big on eating it for lunch, then it's like two weeks later, you're kind of like, and you do the sniff test, and you're like, ah, and you put it in the dog's dish, right? Or you throw it away. And that's just waste. And then we're back into a money, negative money issue. So here's some ideas you can run with. Number one, for those of you that intermittent fast, that like to do, you know, lunch at two, dinner at six, and you don't eat in between, but you do find yourself at lunch, Especially like when everybody goes to the break room and you start hearing the microwave going and stuff and people are bringing to-goes in and shit and you get the smell of food and you're like, man, I I don't want to actually eat yet because then I got a long day before I go home. And so I kind of want to wait another hour or two, but you start to get that, you know, that Pavlovian response, you, you, like you're hungry. Man, that is when a, a, a thermos with a cup or two of bone broth in it is just fantastic, and don't be afraid of salt. Don't be afraid of salt, like a good salt, like a Redmond's Real Salt or something like that um, added to that. And by the way, a lot of times you can suppress your appetite. Um, Ken Berry carries around little things of Redmond salt, about that big. Like They look like a lipstick container, right? I, I mocked him last time as his lipstick, right? Um, but he carries those around, and you take a pinch of salt when you have that hunger urge, and a lot of times that'll, and maybe you drink some water, that'll suppress that hunger urge. Um, but a thermos of bone broth, and, you know, I don't carry around a thermos of bone broth because I, I work from home, but I just did that today. You know, it's 11.50. I don't want to eat till I'm done with this. When I'm done with this, I'll have my lunch today, right? And that's actually going to be leftovers, shockingly. But I was, like, just a little bit hungry. I had had my one cup of coffee I let myself have every day now and a couple cups of herbal tea, and I was like, you know what? And I went out, and I filled up a cup with bone broth, threw it in the microwave for two minutes, and... Absolutely quashes hunger, and it's like 40 calories, right? So when you start looking at fasting, like I believe personally to really push yourself out of a fast, you have to have enough calories to at least run your body for an hour, right? And that 40 calories doesn't run my body on my BMR for an hour. So keeping down in that sub-100 range with a liquid you're not going to really push yourself out of fasting. Maybe it'd be better if you didn't do it at all. But a thermos with bone broth, get yourself, you know, like a small compact thermos, good insulator, just, uh, and then, you know, use like a Pyrex uh, measuring cup. You know, usually they, like I have one that does four cups. So if you want a cup, cup and a half, whatever, it measures it. You stick it in the microwave. You run it for two minutes or whatever it takes to get it good and hot. Dump it in your thermos. By the way, you want your thermos to do a better job for you, don't pour shit into it with a cold thermos. Turn your hot water on on your sink, fill your thermos up, set it aside. And then when you go to dump your hot liquid and it dump the heat, just like you chill a martini glass with ice water, go the other way. And then put that in your thermos, take that with you, 
And you know, the beauty of that is if you end up not using it, just bring it home, throw it in the fridge, heat it back up, and, and use it later. It lasts a really long time. While we're on the subject of broth, though, soups are fantastic. One of my go-tos for that after-dinner prep, I have a mini crock pot. It's on my website. You can look up the brand I recommend, but it doesn't really matter. Most of you that work at a desk, you know, or you have like a break room or something, you could take a mini crock pot in and leave it at work. And you could take the little ceramic insert part, and you could take that home and clean it and bring it back like this. And this is what I do. Let's say I get done and we have some leftover sausage and maybe a chunk of meat from the night before, and I'm going to make a soup. So I chop everything up that I'm going to put in that soup, and I add broth to it and whatever, and I just take the lid, put it on the ceramic insert, and I throw it in the refrigerator. I get up in the morning, I make my coffee, I'm doing my stuff with my birds and all. If you're going to work, you just want to make sure you can somehow lock that thing down so it's not going to spill on you, right? But you take it to work with you. When you get to work or when I'm you know, doing my stuff in the morning, I just throw it in, turn it on medium. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's actually low, high, and keep warm. But the middle one, I throw it on there, and I just leave it there. And if I come out you know, for a cup of tea or something in the middle of the day and I'm not going to be eating for a while and it's kind of simmering a little bit, I turn it down to warm and I just leave it there. And then it's really cooked through and the meat's all tender and it's just delicious and it's just waiting there for you. And it's such an easy thing to do. Uh, and that can be very mobile if you make it that way. If you keep your entire little crock pot at work and you just clean it in the sink or whatever, then put your soup in a Tupperware, bring it in, dump it in, turn it on, right? I mean, don't make things harder than they have to be. Um, I did have a facilities guy one time that kept telling me it was a fire hazard. and In that particular company, I had, I had to keep reminding that guy of whose name was on the door, which was mine and not his. So it was my company. I told him when I needed his opinion, I would ask him for it. You might have to be a little bit more diplomatic in that situation. but And I, I never use terms like that very often with people that worked for me or that were in my organizations. But uh, this guy was, he was one of these, he wasn't really a facilities guy. It's like we, we needed a facilities person, and he was our, he was our, uh, our network administrator type guy. And so we just gave him that too. And he was like kind of, um, think of like Jim Carrey's character, on um, what was that show Mad TV or was it In Living Color I think it was In Living Color where he was Fire Marshal Bill this guy was a Fire Marshal Bill so that's why I used to kind of jack with him that way once in a while um, next salad and I am now I would say like 95% carnivore with my eating if you consider cheese and cream you know, milk fat if you, and butter. If you consider that carnivore, I'm 95% carnivore. Um, about the only plant fats that I get in any quantity would be avocado and some olive oil, but that's even limited. The one vegetable that I still eat a lot of is greens. So lettuces, spinaches, kales, things like that, and almost exclusively raw. And then I do a little bit with nuts, like pecans and, and walnuts and things like that. So it's amazing how different, like people are like, I don't want to eat what I ate last night. So if you're making steak, for instance, and you're like me, my wife is going to eat a half of her steak. I'm going to eat my whole steak. That leaves me half a steak. If I wanted more than half a steak, it's no harder for me to make three steaks than it is for me to make two steaks. So either way, I can I could set it up so I end up with a good quantity of steak at the end of a meal. I'm going to slice that steak up. I'm going to put it in one of my little glad container things. 
Um, I'm going to get some really good quality cheese. I love blue and gorgonzola and like stinky cheeses like that. Uh, my wife loves more like a really ultra sharp cheddar, like an aged sharp cheddar, whatever. So like I'm going to put that in its own little container so they don't kind of mix together yet. And I'm going to have a bigger container full of greens. And maybe I'm going to have a little container with some sort of a dressing and a little container with, with like a handful of pecans or uh, walnut crumbles or something like that or crumbled up pork rinds or something like that. And that's all going to be, and that'll all fit in one little bigger container with the little containers in it. I just want to keep everything separated and never, even when you're putting in a separate container, put the meat with the greens while the meat's still warm because then the greens are going to wilt. And now you've got, like last night you had steak, right? That was pretty much what you had. Maybe you maybe you threw a little, you took the steak, you cooked it in your frying pan, you deglazed it a little bit with some, some beef broth, and then you threw in some cauliflower rice. And so you made a, a quick, like a brown butter pan sauce, and then put your cauliflower rice on that, and you had that for dinner. But now the next day you're having kind of a beef Waldorf salad because it's got, you know, uh, Uh, walnuts on it or something like that with like a gorgonzola cheese like it's a different meal even though it's the same base protein and if you chop up a little bit of bacon and include that with it and whatever and you know you can make things really good with a quick use of a microwave for instance if you had bacon and you just don't quite totally crisp the bacon so there's a little bit of reserve fat on it And you throw that container in a microwave for 30 seconds and you heat the bacon up and the grease comes off it. Well, I don't want to wilt my salad at all before I go to eat it, right before I go to eat it. Throw that bacon on there and mix that grease with the greens and then throw your, your steak on there. And maybe even throw the steak in the microwave for a little bit and just warm it. Don't make it really hot, just warm it. And then this is a big tip on things like steaks. Any meat that you would eat rare um, medium rare, etc. If you know you're setting aside a piece for the next day and you know you're going to want to reheat it, cook it lower than even you like it. So if you like medium rare, make it rare. And that way when you reheat it, it'll still be within kind of the tolerance of your liking. Like Those are all types of real simple things that we can be doing, guys, that, that really do just make things easier for us. And They lead to making really good decisions. Trying to make things really like kind of grab and go. Get a bunch of bratwurst or sausages and smoke and or grill them. Um, I'll take a pellet smoker and I'll throw like a big case of brats on the grill. Turn the heat on super low on your two end burners. Uh, fire up the pellet tube and put all the sausages in the center of the grill so it's cooking with indirect heat. And I'll take a like a turkey roasting pan and put it down underneath so all the grease, once the sausage starts to render, doesn't go down in your grill and mess it all up. And that way you can just discard it. And, you know, you smoke a ton of that at once, and then you kind of turn the heat up at the end and go ahead and finish it. And then let it cool down and then cut it into chunks. Take those chunks and whatever you decide a serving size is, throw them in small uh, vacuum seal bags, vacuum seal them, label them, throw them in the freezer. Now you're going, you know, like you didn't pre-game anything and you need a good protein fat. Like sausage and bratwurst and all, all those things, as long as you're making sure you read the freaking label, right? They're generally great mixes of protein and fat for people on keto diets. 
So even if you're not only relying on that, now I have a component. So I pull that out of the freezer. You know, maybe I throw that in the cooler to take to work. Maybe I don't. Maybe I put it in the non-cooled top pouch because I actually want it to defrost by lunchtime. And maybe I have some little packets of cheese or something like that. Maybe I have some uh, pork rinds or something like that. I can make myself kind of a little on-the-go lunchbox, like like a Lunchable or whatever the hell they call it, protein power packs or whatever that you overpay for in the store. But you're making them out of things that you really want to eat. Um, if you do need something you can just get a quick shot of energy and fat and protein from, a lot of the nut butters, especially now that the keto market's so big, They'll make like an organic nut butter. It comes in a little pouch like this. You can put it on something or whatever. Or you can just basically and eat it straight out of the, the thing. And you're probably your two best from a macro standpoint as far as nutrient and fat and low carbs is macadamia and pecan. And probably your better tasting one out of a packet straight is going to be macadamia because pecan has a real issue with oil separation no matter what they do to it. So then you're eating like pecan lump and then oil or oil and then pecan lump. It's really hard to get a good mix of that. I find the macadamians uh, work a lot better. Um, also, use canned pouched uh, tunas and meats, right? Like there's so many options there, and maybe they're not the best options from like an organic standpoint, right? Where you're eating like, you know, pastured, you know, beef is probably not in a, in a can or whatever. But I would rather people eat kind of a, a mix of like really clean and a little bit of mass-produced keto diet than I would most people um, eat even a fully organic, you know, full-on perfect in, in the mindset of people uh, diet that was made up of all vegetables and starches and things like that. I'd rather you eat mass-produced meat, wheat, uh, mass-produced meat, than organic wheat. And not everybody's going to agree with me. That's okay. You don't have to. But it's not, it's not ribeyes, whether they come from Albertsons or from the grass-fed guy down the road, that are why we have dialysis clinics in major cities on almost every street corner now. I just passed a brand new... I mean, I never really noticed them until Ken Berry made that comment to me one day. And I was on my way home this weekend. We had the kids out on Friday, and we were coming up uh, Jacksboro Highway. And brand new, huge kidney uh, care center. Kidney care center. Yeah, you know what that is? That's for dialysis. And it's just like kind of one little area of town, and they need their own dialysis uh, place. And so do what you want with that information. Uh, but canned and, 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 and potted meats and pouched meats, uh, especially canned fish. Canned fish is something that's really overlooked because everybody thinks tuna, which is mostly albacore and mostly, let's be honest, sucks. And everybody thinks sardines, which I like sardines. But most of you, if you go to like the regular aisle in the grocery store and just pick out like your grandpa's sardines, even if you love them, and you take them to work, And you sit down at your cubicle or whatever, or even in the break room, and you go, what's going to happen? Everybody's like, oh, my God, it's so disgusting. You know, it's, oh, it stinks. You know, like, why are you doing that? And then when you, even when you throw the can in the garbage, like the smell of the oil, like I like it, but I get why people wouldn't. Um, when I do eat them at home, I always 
real hot water, rinse out the can at the end and dump it. And then that way when you throw the can in the trash, it doesn't continue to emanate. But Wild Planet, especially their canned mackerel, and they have a lot of other canned fish options that do not stink. Uh, the canned mackerel has no stink to it. You can eat it sitting right next to somebody with a sensitive nose. They're not going to complain. It's a very firm fish. It makes great salads. It makes great, um, it makes great like use in soups, believe it or not. There's some pretty cool soups that I've made with it, etc. And it is just really high quality because, first of all, it's mackerel. And it's not like king mackerel. These are small mackerel. They grow, generally they're harvested at about a pound and a half, two pounds. So they're low on the food chain. So anytime we're going into ocean fish, we have to worry about mercury accumulation. You just don't have enough of it there to worry about. Um, they're firm instead of that real mushy kind of thing that tuna and other things tend to get. Uh, they taste great, but they're packed in, in amazing extra virgin olive oil. So they have a really great fat content, and they kind of make their own dressing if you're using them on a salad. So uh, don't overlook those. Um, jerky makers, despite when I started out, are actually starting to realize that like if um, if you if you want to sell to the keto crowd, that we do read labels, and we don't want corn sugar in our jerky. Um, no, I. I, 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 I don't want that, right? And to the point where I'll make my own. But it would be great if I could go and occasionally be out and about and grab a pack of jerky. And jerky's good. So if, if there was a brand I could buy and it was not full of sugar, then I would buy it and I would use it. And, you know, it is a good kind of like thing. Like, you don't want it sitting in your car in the heat because it heats up, cools down, heats up, it's gooey and not, it's not good, right? But jerky is the kind of thing, as long as no one at work knows you've done it, and or you have a locking desk, you can take three or four bags into work and throw them in your desk drawer and lock that up, or maybe keep some at home so you can always grab a pouch and take it with you. Well, even Jack Links, who I was picking on, now has no sugar added jerky, which we would normal people would call jerky. Like, we don't need sugar. Like, I guarantee you that when your pioneer ancestors shot a buffalo and were thin slicing it to make jerky they weren't putting sugar on it on the plains, right? So we don't need sugar to make jerky. So that's starting to come around. I can't think of the other brand. There's a brand that the little convenience store just up the road from me sells now. It's really delicious, no sugar added, zero carbs. So uh, you can still use jerky if you just read the label and find the right brands. Uh, next up, uh, somebody is asking me, do I think vegetarianism is bad for you in the comments? I'm not going to get into it now, but yes. Yes, I do. I absolutely do. I do not think the proper human diet is eating a, a vegetarian and certainly not a vegan diet. And this is what I'll tell you. There are no indigenous societies ever documented at all that were vegetarian or vegan. None. Zero. And if you want to understand what the proper diet for human beings is, look at the diet of indigenous peoples. And I'm talking not farming peoples that we call indigenous. True indigenous peoples. True indigenous peoples, their diets have always been highly, high, highly carnivorous um, because it is the easiest and most nutrient-dense food we can get. And please understand, when people start talking about needing to eat vegetables to get your nutrients, these people are either lying to you or they are nutritionally ignorant. There is nothing more nutrient-dense than a piece of beef 
with a small side of beef liver. There is nothing more nutrient-dense than that. So just, yes, I do think overall it's probably bad for you. Can you eat healthy as a vegetarian or a vegan? If you try really hard, you can. But the lifestyle that is vegetarianism and veganism is a modern luxury. It is not an innate human ability to feed oneself sustainably from the land. It is the most destructive thing that we do to the land, trying to live without using animals in our diet. And I'll, I'll go on from there. And you can learn more if you really want to, if that kind of triggers you or anything. Um, next up, I mentioned this one last week, but I, I'm so in love with this item. I'm going to mention it again today, and I'll have links to a lot of this stuff in the show notes today. Dietz and Watson is a, like a mega brand. They're in grocery stores and all, but quality-wise, they're one of the... Uh, They're one of the top quality, um, you know, kind of meat, prepared meat brands out there. And they have these, they come in little containers. They're, they're about, I'd say about four inches by four inches. And they're actually two packets. And you can cut them in half and they're individually sealed. They have a, a, a salami, a plain old salami. They have a chorizo and they have a truffle salami. They have all three of them. They're all delicious. Um, they all have a great fat ratio. They're, they all get a, a little bit over 60% of their calories from fat. It's not like the, the keto ideal, but it's, it's so close that it doesn't matter. Um, they're easy to take with you, easy to eat, should be kept refrigerated, but certainly can go a day in your lunch bag or whatever without worrying about it. Um, they're absolutely delicious, and they're zero carbs. However, if you read the label, you'll see one of the, in, uh, the ingredients is dextrose. Okay, dextrose. Well, we know what dextrose is. Dextrose is sugar, so how can they have zero carbs? Again, you've got to read labels, but then you also have to understand what the labeling rules are. So the rules are, if you have less than half of something, like a half a gram of a carb, a protein, or a fat, any one of the three macros, if it's under 0.5, you can call it zero. Well, the entire package has three servings. That's both sides of it. So that would mean that you would have, at the most, 1.5 carbohydrates in the whole package. And it would actually be, it would have to be something like, oh, I don't know, what, what 1.46, like something like that. Because if it was at a half or more, they'd have to put down the one. So there's a little bit of sugar in it. And again, a lot of cured meats. A little bit of sugar is really advantageous toward the curing process. And a lot of that sugar in the curing process gets fermented, So, and it's not being fermented into alcohol and certainly not in any quantity or something. like It's a different type of fermentation we're talking about here. So it's even reduced from the amount that it was used if it's a true fermented uh, and cured product. And the Dietz and Watson products are. So I love those. And then kind of in that vein, anything like them. Anything, yeah, you can eat three to four bags in five minutes if you're not careful. You have to be careful. You're right there. Wayne says that. Um, yeah, it, it, this is why I like that they come in the little thing where you can cut them in half. So the first thing I do when they come is I cut them in half. And then that way if I decide I'm going to have a snack or I'm going to take them with me, I take one half. So it's a 1.5 serving. So, you know, you're, you're looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of probably 0.6 carbs. It's just, I, I believe... There are some things in life that we don't need to be complete purists about, and I think we're into the world of that one. Um, another item that I really like, and it goes really well with things like cheeses and these meats and stuff like that, are pork rinds. Um, I grew up 
before pork rinds kind of had their day in the sun, and there were two kinds of pork rinds. Freshly made ones, if you went to like the Mexican grocery store where you could get them, like they were cooking them in the back, and they were fantastic, and then everything in the bag sucked. It, it tasted like cardboard mixed with pig ass. It was just gross. And now there's some really high-quality bagged pork rinds made. My two favorite brands are Epic and 4505. Both of those are fantastic. They have a lot of different flavors. Read your labels as always. But I've never found one that's like laden with sugar on top of it or anything like that. And then this is a really good tip with the pork rinds. A lot of times we'll go out to eat once a week usually. I'll take my wife out after the kids go or something like that. Kind of a date date day or something because she deserves it. And one of our favorite types of meals is is Mexican. So everything's enchiladas and you know all that crap. But you know we go to a place called Gloria's. That's one of our favorite places, and they have plenty of like meat centric meals. And you just don't bring me the beans, don't bring me the rice. Throw a quail on top of it, right? That's, that's kind of my go to there. Order something that's meat and throw a quail on it, right? Um, but you know my wife will want to get queso, and queso's okay if we don't eat too much of it. But queso what, with a spoon? Because they can't have the chips, right? So we'll bring our own bag of pork rinds, and we've never really been bothered except at one restaurant about that. And we said, do you have pork rinds? No. Well, I have a special diet required because of my disability, so if you don't have pork rinds, I'll have to provide these for myself. And the girl went away. Uh, just It may not always work, but use your Jedi mind tricks. But we'll take our pork rinds with us, and when we go to Gloria's, we're like, super regulars there. They're not going to say a word. Uh, and then that way I can have some queso or I can have some guac with pork rinds instead of tortilla chips, right? Because I eat them 95%. So that's, you know, my avocado, a little bit of cheese here and there. Uh, that's a great way to go. And in general, meat sticks in general, you know, salamis, summer sausages, all that, just read the freaking label. But once you find a good one, like there's a one I recommended last week called Three Little Pigs Chorizo. They come in you know, sticks that are, I think they're about a one-pound stick. That's freaking delicious. And you can go ahead and chop that up into portion sizes, stick it in your little containers, take it with you, have it ready to grab, etc. And that keeps you from cheating. Um, some other things you can do like with these like kind of like meat, like I love hard meats, cheeses, and stuff. What I miss is the crackers for the crunch. I don't miss the crackers because they're crackers. I mean, I've had some pretty good crackers in my life. Let me I get that carbohydrates taste good, that they cause this kind of uh, response to our salivary glands and everything. And so I'm not saying they don't taste good, right? That's, you know, heroin makes you feel good the first time you take it too, apparently. I wouldn't know because I've never traveled down that path, but it doesn't mean heroin's good for us. And we are innately programmed when we come across carbohydrate in high, high quantity to eat as much of it as possible. And the biological chemical reason for that, the evolutionary reason for that is there is no such thing as abundant, nonstop, year-round, high carbohydrate in nature. It doesn't exist. Even in the tropics, things like figs and bananas go through cycles. They're available quite short-term, and until you develop technologies to store them with, they rot, and they go bad. And so in nature, we generally go through periods of time where there's a bunch of carbohydrate, and it's gone. 
and then a bunch and it's gone. And those tend to come before times of shortages. So if we're living that way, if we don't know that we're going to have food every day, the idea that in early fall, before we go into hard winter, we would put on 20 pounds of fat or 30 pounds of fat, and care, depending on how big we are, and carry that through the winter, that makes perfect biological sense. But if we're putting on 30 pounds of fat every time the, the, uh, the, the pumpkin spice lattes come out and, the, and, the, and the, the peppermint lattes come out through that time of the year, even if we only put it on then, but we don't lose it, you can see how 10 years into it you weigh 300 pounds. And, and that's what's happening to people today. That, that biological wiring is working against us. So that's a little extra on that one. But on, on the crispy thing, the pork rinds are great for that. The other thing I found that's great for that is cheese crisps. You can make your own. There's a variety of commercial, you know, a lot of variety in commercial cheese crisps. And all they are is basically cheese that's cooked long enough that it dries out and becomes crunchy like a cracker. But it's cheese. Like if you get a good variety, they might have put a little flavoring on them or something. But what's the ingredients? Cheese. That's it. And that's why you can make your own. Well, there's the deli section at our Albertsons and Kroger stores. Both sell the ones, I don't know what they're called now, but they're about that big around. They're about as big around as like um, a little bit bigger than a silver dollar in diameter. And they're made out of Parmesan. And they come in like basil and garlic and all kinds of flavors. Those, I think, are fantastic. So I'll make up my little cheese and meat things with those. And that way, and I won't, because it's pure fat, right? So it's high calories. So I'll only have maybe two or three, but then, you know, they're big enough, you break them in half, and you get that crunch going with it. And there's just so much that you can do with this. And what I would say is be creative. Be creative and, you know, work out what you can do for yourself. Somebody's talking about pork rind, breaded fried chicken is actually really good. Yeah, so, like, there's... A brand, I can't remember what it's called now. I'll see if I can find it and add it to the audio notes for the podcast today. But it's basically just a whole bunch of pork rinds ground up, and you can use it to to fry things. And it's it's fantastic used that way. But there's there's so many things that you can do to kind of just take what you have and repurpose it, use it in different different ways. Again, anything that you put on a salad is pretty good. Um, if you have, if you do your own chickens or you buy really high-quality chicken and you have certain recipes and things that you do that don't really call for chicken skin, like you're going to use the, ch the chicken skinless, um, not because you don't want the fat from the skin, but because the recipe really just, it, it it's designed to be made with skinless chicken. I always, whenever I'm going to skin chicken, For whatever reason, pull the skin off, and I, I lay it flat in, in a bag, and I put it in the freezer. And I'll keep doing that until I build up a stockpile of chicken skin. And then I'll take that chicken skin. You want to talk about a freaking snack. Good God. You take a frying pan, start laying it flat in there, and render it until it's crispy. T you know, Turning it over a couple times. A press is really good on this because it keeps it from curling up too much. It'll shrink to a much smaller piece. That is freaking delicious, that crispy skin. You don't need any breading on it. You don't need just just do it. Then you get your chicken fat. You use your chicken fat for cooking, right? And then you got your chicken skin. Take that, you know, chomp that up and use it instead of bacon on top of a salad. If you can, I always end up just eating it. There's just so many things we can do. Be creative. Learn as you go. Just think, what else can I do with this thing? Or how can I combine this other thing? 
Um, last, I just want to finish with, because whenever I do something like a cooking show or a food show or something like that that's not how to store beans, bullets, and band-aids, be like, well, exactly how is this a survival topic? Guys, this is a survival topic. I don't know that there is a more important survival topic for us to talk about right now than food. I try to give everybody their space. If you're a vegan, you're a vegan. If you're a vegetarian, you're a vegetarian. You can believe what you want. But I'm going to tell you what I've seen. I've seen a lot of fat vegans. I've seen some skinny ones. I don't see a lot that look really, really healthy. I can say the same for vegetarians, though to a lesser degree, because if you're willing to add things like dairy products and eggs and stuff into your diet, it's a little easier to try to get closer to the way humans really are supposed to be eating. You know what I don't see, though? If somebody's actually living pretty much a carnivore diet, I don't see sick-looking people. I don't see super skinny, and I don't see fat. I see lean. And... Everybody that I've watched over the years of doing this myself that takes and gives pure carnivore 60 days, the transformation is is not just really encouraging, it's dramatic. It's dramatic. And it is, I think you actually kind of see it in females more than men, honestly, because men generally were fat if we eat too much, but we still have some muscle tone, and fat dudes usually have some muscle tone because they were carrying their fat around. So when they lose the fat, they start to show the muscle that they had to use to carry all the fat around, right? Um, women who generally do not get enough protein in, in, in day-to-day living because of the way we're conditioned, I've seen women do carnivore for 60 to 90 days, And they look like they were hitting the weights in a good way. They don't look like all bodybuilder or whatever. But, I mean, the lean muscle development is its amazing. And it, it looks very attractive, by the way, ladies. It, it really does. Um, and most of them, they're not lifting a bunch of weights. They're not hitting the aerobic studio. Like, if your diet requires you to do aerobics six times a week to get in shape, your diet is a problem. Okay, so like our diet in this country is fundamentally flawed. And this addiction we have to carbohydrates is a direct result of how we wean children. If you wean children with Cheerios, you're going to get children that are addicted to carbohydrates. And you were probably weaned with Cheerios or something similar, and I was probably weaned with Cheerios or something similar. And it's time for us to stop living in denial. Just because you were taught about the food pyramid in school and told that you need to base your, your diet on grains. Just because whole grain bread, because we've been programmed to believe so, when we see it, it looks nutritious in our mind, does not mean that it is. A carbohydrate is sugar, and a sugar is sugar, period. If you bring me 10 pounds of white bread or 10 pounds of cane sugar, I will give you the exact same amount of ethanol if I ferment it and distill it. There is literally no difference. Now, if we get into a whole grain situation, it might wane a little bit, but I'm still, you give me 10 pounds of whole grain white bread or wheat bread, I'm still going to give you a shitload of ethanol if I ferment it because it is going to take all the sugars and the yeast are going to convert them to ethanol. And then when I, when I distill it, I'm going to get down to pure ethanol, right? Or close to it. I'm, I can, with my still, I can get up to 190 proof in, in one go through the column. Right, so 
And that's true of everything. Potatoes, I'll give you vodka. Sweet potatoes, I'll give you sweet potato vodka. Right? You, you, all your fruits, all these things that we've been conditioned to believe are good for us. And then we take something like an apple, which I think, you know, if we ate apples, like once we're healthy, if we ate apples seasonally, like apple off the tree, ate it, okay, yeah, you spiked your blood sugar, but your body can handle it. Like it's a seasonal thing, okay, fine. We take something like an apple and we make a pie out of it. Trust me, I can make a hell of a lot of apple pie vodka that wouldn't taste like apple pie because it'd be pure freaking ethanol. But how much ethanol do you think you can get out of an apple pie? But then we say, you know, oh, I want it to be healthy. So I want to give it to my kids. I want to get them to drink it. So we squeeze the apple down to the juice. We throw away all that fiber, all the extra components to it. And we have something that has more sugar in it than Coca-Cola or Pepsi. Literally, honest to God, eight ounces of apple juice has more sugar in it than eight ounces of Coca-Cola. And then we give it to our children. And we give it to our babies. We give them Cheerios and we give them apple juice. And then we say, I don't know why the only thing they want to eat are breaded chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese and spaghetti. Because you trained them to. And somebody trained you to. And odds are, if you're a bit younger, somebody trained your parents to. And now, like I said, we have freaking dialysis centers all over the place. Like, when I was a kid, there was I, I don't remember a lot, but I can remember there were no dialysis centers. Like, if you needed dialysis, you went to a hospital. The idea that you would build a separate facility just for dialysis didn't exist in the 1980s. That's only like 35 years ago, guys. It didn't exist. In the 1980s, we had a fat kid in our class. Like, in, and when I'm saying in our class, I mean like when you're in high school and you're like the class of 1989, you have a fat kid in the class of 1989. I remember his name. It was Jason. Okay? That's the fat kid. And if I asked anybody that went to school with me... Who was the fat kid in our class? They'd say it was Jason. They remember him by name. Now you, you can remember the name of the skinny kid. The number one killer in the United States is food. The United States, the only thing that kills more people than government, right, is food. Which, by the way, is run by government. We are not healthy as a people. We are not healthy as a people. We are dying as a people. We are sick as a people. We Look how compliant. We call them the sheeple. Why do you think they're so compliant? Why do you think they're so compliant? Because we feed them like zoo animals. We feed them kibble instead of the, the proper human diet, which is meat. And again, I think you can be relatively healthy if you're very careful in how you are, you know, how you assemble your diet if you pay attention to it. But like Ken and I talked about last week, no animal on the planet is obese, period, if it lives in the wild. Now, you can look at a hippo and say it's well, it's it's a hippo. It's supposed to be that way. An elephant is supposed to be that way. By the way, they're herbivores. All the ones that we would even try to break this with would be herbivores. And all the ones that put fat on then take it off in the winter. If you look at like a bear, a bear will gorge on carbohydrate at times of year to put fat on. And then it will come off during hibernation. Reptiles will gorge and then go into bermation and take their fat off. Nothing is chronically obese in nature, including human beings. But what happens when we take a lion off the Serengeti 
put them in the Fort Worth Zoo, and they they say they feed them meat, but trust me, guys, they're also feeding them kibble, right? They because it's expensive, and all of a sudden you have lions with di diabetes. All of a sudden you have lions that get fat, and the only way they keep them from getting fat is by throttling the calories. But you put that same lion out in the Serengeti, and whenever he's hungry, he's like, "Come on, guys, let's go kill something." And this idea that they're you know half starving all the time and that's why they're thin is nonsense. If a lion wants a wildebeest dead, there's going to be a dead wildebeest. You know, unless your times of like famine and drought, like during normal times, like it's not a big deal. My cats do it. My cats are cardinal eating machines, man. There are cardinal feathers everywhere. Oh my god! Don't worry about it. We'll talk about that on another day if you want to be completely. My point is, they're not fat. And if they want, if my little cat Dana, my little cat, if she wants something dead, it's going to be a mouse, a rat, or a bird, and it's going to be in the neck. Like, if she decides she wants it now, it will take me longer to go out and microwave my lunch than it will take that cat to go get something if she really wants to eat it. And they don't get obese and they don't get fat until we put them in our facilities or they eat our garbage. And then they get all the illnesses of modern humanity. This is a survival topic. It's a survival topic because every year in our country, over 650,000 people in our country die before their time due to one level or another of complications due to obesity. It is a survival topic. You have been lied to. You have been lied to one more time so you fully understand the words coming out of my mouth in the words of Chris Tucker. You have been lied to. You've been lied to about what a proper human diet is. And I, I know some of you, like, this is really hard to take. Okay? I understand it. Like, the programming's that deep. But think of the source of the information that told you to base your diet on a completely inverted reality to the way that we should be eating. Grains, fruits, and vegetables making up the vast majority of what you eat. Who is the source of this information? And do you touch trust that source with pretty much anything else? It's a weird thing to me. That, and, and what it is, and some of you are going to be mad when you hear this, but it's the truth. It's an addict defending their addiction. It's an addict defending their addiction. Society has generally accepted that your addiction is a good thing. And you're addicted to carbohydrates. It's not your fault, but it is your problem. And carbohydrates are addictive. Sugar is addictive. Sugar, by every definition of the word, is a drug. And it's also a toxic drug. It doesn't mean our body can't handle it. It doesn't mean our bodily body can't make use of it. It doesn't even mean that our body doesn't make some of it, because we do need some of it for certain bodily functions. You can eat... Zero carbohydrates, you will not die, you will get very, very healthy, and as long as you have enough protein, any sugar your body needs through a process called gluconeogenesis, it will make the glucose from the protein, but only as much as you need. But if you drink apple juice, and you're drinking fructose, and you drink a large amount of fructose every day, it can damage your liver as bad as a significant amount of alcohol can every day. And that is a biochemical fact. You cannot argue with it. I'm sorry. It is the fucking truth. And you give it to your kids. And because it doesn't make us intoxicated, 
we're less aware, that, in fact, we're completely unaware that we're doing any damage. Go look it up. Go do your own research on it. Fructose is a liver toxin. The digestive process of fructose in your liver is almost identical. It's like this huge multi-step process and there's this one tiny slightly different variant, but it processes sugar in your liver when it comes to fructose exactly the same way it processes ethyl alcohol puts the same type of load on your liver. And it's worse if you guys like your cranberry vodkas. Okay? Because your liver must make a decision whether to deal with sugar or to deal with alcohol. And alcohol is a more toxic substance because it doesn't just affect your blood sugar and your liver and your organs. It affects your brain. It affects your ability to think. Right, It can actually kill you. It's that type of toxin. So when your liver's going, I got to do sugar, got to do alcohol. Alcohol first. And until all the alcohol's gone, that sugar's just running through your bloodstream, jacking you up. And that's why I tell you, if you need to lose weight and you're going carnivore, don't drink. If you are going to drink, drink one drink every two weeks. And just know you set yourself back a day. Like, that's just the way. I, and, and you know what? I like my drink. I like to have a glass of wine. I like to have a glass of whiskey. I like to have a margarita. I want to tell you it doesn't matter as long as your carbs are low. But I would be lying to you. I have a whole video I'll look up and I will uh, I will link to it in the audio notes of this this podcast that you can listen to where I explain the entire process. If you want it, if you need to know to believe me to how the body processes alcohol and how it negates the ability of the body to process just about anything else until the alcohol is gone, and how it shuts down ketosis, how it shuts down fat burning, and how if you drink a significant amount of alcohol, and I'm talking like four drinks, you just shut down your fat burning capacity in your body for four days. Long after the alcohol is gone, the body's still kind of rearranging and coming back into stasis. So if you go drink every weekend, two days every weekend, for instance, Friday and Saturday, Then your, your, your Sunday and Monday, you're not burning anything. You got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you're back at it again. And you wonder why, even if you're progressing, it's slow, it's that. But this stuff is a survival topic. I'm, I, and you know, somebody's asking about the gorilla argument. I'm, are you a gorilla? No, you're not. So shut up about gorillas. Okay? But the gorilla argument is, but the gorilla is a vegetarian. The gorilla is a vegetarian. The gorilla is not you. You're not a gorilla. Go eat what the gorilla eats and tell me about the gorilla argument because you're not going to eat what the gorilla eats. Because 90% of what a gorilla eats, if you tried to eat it, you would get sick, throw up, become constipated, and die. Gorillas don't live on freaking bananas. High amounts of dense carbohydrate are not common in nature year-round anywhere in the world. The gorilla argument is, is freaking vegans grasping at gorillas. That's what it is. I'm sorry. You have a giant liver for a reason. You evolved to process protein and fat. And again, just look at the people that do it and look at their results. Anyway, it is a survival topic. If you want to do it with veganism, vegetarianism, some other thing, then, then go ahead and regiment your life and make sure you're not over-consuming calories and count calories and go through all the crap to do it. But one way or another... You need to take your health seriously because it, on a seemingly unrelated note, 
Recently, I injured my Achilles tendon. And I can walk, but it ha it's very uncomfortable in the way that I have to walk. It wears me out. It's finally really beginning to recover, etc. It was for a while, if I stepped on anything like a rock, like a small rock with the front toe, like it was incredibly painful. Uh, it would set back the recovery. And so I had to be really slow, really careful, and it really fatigued me. And it puts you in touch with how important your health is. So it doesn't seem to be related to obesity or any of these issues, right? But it puts you in touch with that. And it's like, well, if I'm losing my foot to diabetes, how little am I going to be able to do on my homestead? How little am I going to be able to do in my life? How little am I going to be able to do to take care of my family if the shit hits the fan? Like I said, it's a survival topic. And my wife found a picture of us. I'll remember where we were, but we were, I think we were in Tennessee. We were hiking, and I was, you know, I think we the, the, the longest day we had on the trail that trip was eight miles. And I was feeling pretty good about myself back then. This was before I went keto, carnivore, any of it. And uh, I looked at that picture and said, how the hell did you even do that? And I thought to myself, if I, if I stayed on the path I was at the point that picture was taken, what would I look like today? How sick would I be today? What would my blood pressure be today? You know, what would my, the condition of my liver be today? And I'm not even talking about just alcohol. I'm talking about like fatty liver disease just from like the condition of my organs, etc. Yeah, it's a survival topic, guys. No one is going to do this for you. You can keep clinging to these belief systems, but that's all they are, they're belief systems. When we look at the biochemistry, the way the human body works, the way the human digestive system works, it's very clear what the proper human diet is. And I don't really want to turn this show into that. I just wanted to make it more of a fun show on, on the ways and means of doing this stuff. But every time I talk about this, I end up here where I am right now. And I want, I want to finish. But it's because I have met enough people in this audience where I see myself from six years ago in them. And I know what you're doing to yourself. And it doesn't do me any good to teach you how to run a business so you can build a legacy for your family if you die before you fulfill your legacy. It doesn't do me any good to teach you how to run backup power if when the power goes out, you're not physically capable of getting the power back on. It doesn't do me any good to teach you how to invest wisely if you don't live long enough to enjoy your investments or you live a long time but you spend all of your investments keeping yourself alive with drugs and medication. I end up here because I care. I end up here because I absolutely know that many of you are deceiving yourselves, saying, you know, I don't eat that bad, I don't eat that much sugar, whatever. Many of you are even not obese, but you're overweight. Many of you have the little tiny pooch belly, but your A1C, you're already pre-diabetic or, or diabetic, and you're just not getting tested. You're already doing massive damage to your arteries and um, your, your, your capillaries especially, etc. The debt damage is already happening in your body, and a lot of it is irreversible. I end up here because I don't want you to die. I don't want you to widow your, your wife. I don't want you to spend your last days on dialysis. I end up here because it's a survival topic, and survival is what my, my entire life is all about. With that, let's go ahead and uh, wrap things up. 
Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I certainly enjoyed doing it. If you missed the live stream, just know from now on, uh, I will live stream most standalone shows and most interview shows. Not all, but most. And they will generally go live somewhere around 11.30 for standalone shows and generally go live somewhere around 12.30 for interview shows. And most of the time... Um, they're going to be on YouTube. They may be on the other services as well, but YouTube's the easy one, the quick one for me to set up when I'm like, do I even do this today? That's that's why I'm using YouTube. Um, and everything I put on YouTube goes on Odyssey. So uh, that kind of happens too. Uh, but the Friday shows are the early ones. Um, the Outback with Jax will, will generally go live between 7.30 and 8 a.m. And if you are on social media with me, if you're on um, the Telegram channel, etc., you should get alerts before. And when I know for a fact I'm doing it the next day, generally I send out a time uh, and a link for the next day in the Daily Mail the day before. Not always, but many times. Anyway, with that, I uh, hope you did enjoy today's show. If you did, let me remind you, you can help support the show every time you shop online simply by going to tspaz.com. Somebody emailed me today and said, how do I make sure you get credit? Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Just start your shopping at tspaz.com. If you start your shopping at tspaz.com, then that's all you need to worry about. Okay? And every day I have items of the day or certain shopping tips or something for you on there. Today, instead of having an individual item of the day, I have a whole bunch of stuff because Anchor, uh, which is my favorite value brand in electronics. And when I say value brand, you might be thinking like the Walmart brand. I don't look at Anchor that way at all. Anchor, spelled A-N-K-E-R, is the best value-priced brand in electronics that I'm aware of available today. And when I say value brand, what I'm saying is you're getting name like top brand quality at a value brand price. That's what I mean. And they've got a bunch of stuff on deals of the day today. It seems about once a month now they're running something really cool as far as kind of like reducing inventory and things that they have surpluses in and stuff like that. Um They have a 21-watt, two-port USB portable charger. So it's a fold-up solar panel charger set that's on sale today for $60. Bucks. It's badass. I'm not huge on portable solar or whatever, but there's times when that's the best thing you can have, and they make one of the best ones out there, and at $60, bucks, it's a deal. Um, they have a really badass 1,300-lumen uh, tactical flashlight. I mean, it is badass, and it's rechargeable. And you can, like, blind somebody. I mean, literally blind somebody with 1,300 lumens if you needed to. And they have lower settings on it, like most new flashlights do, so you don't, you know, drain your battery really fast when you don't need that kind of light. Uh, they have a badass little power strip, 8-foot extension cord, little cube at the end of it. Um, for you, When I was a road warrior, I would have killed for something like this. It's three 110s and three USB outlets. Uh, really smart form factor when you look at it. Um, they have a, their IPX5 Bluetooth um, speaker. 21 bucks, their little portable speaker today. That's not the one that pairs, but it's a really great speaker for 21 bucks. Um, they have a couple different um, earbuds on sale, but the real deal, like the real badass deal today, they have um, the Liberty Air 2 wireless buds. These are probably better uh, than Apple AirPods, like your basic $150 Apple AirPods. But they're probably quite a bit better and I'm not an audio snob even though I'm a podcaster I'm not an audio like they're on sale today for uh, 49 bucks if you buy Apple AirPods instead of Liberty Air 2 wireless earbuds you hate money don't hate money I'll hate you back 
they have a, a Rove Smart Charge uh, Bluetooth FM transmitter. If you have an older vehicle, you don't have Bluetooth on your stereo, you didn't need to upgrade it, you plug this thing in a cigarette lighter port, and then you can pair your phone with it and play it on your FM radio on the unused uh, channels. And then they have the uh, Powerline 2 Lightning Cables, one of the best uh, off-market uh, Apple Lightning Cables you can get, 13 bucks. Uh, it's about a third of the price of buying them from Apple, and they're better, and they last longer. That's just some of the stuff they have, so you want to check this one out. Remember, if you are on um, our Discord, our Telegram, any of my social media, if you're on our daily mail list, etc., you get all this stuff in a single daily email. Sometimes there's one little announcement email extra, but it's basically just a snippet and a link, and that way you don't miss anything. So subscribe to the daily mail, right? With that, let's go ahead and uh, wrap things up today with our song of the day. Uh, we're going to do one more week of Guess Jack's Pandora Station, okay? One more week of that, and then we are going to go to do something else. I don't know what. Today's song of the day is Carry On, My Wayward Son by Kansas. The artist the channel's based on is a solo artist. Always has been a solo artist, but I don't think would be anything without his band, all right? And... The thing that really makes Kansas and this song, Carry On My Wayward Son, fit with this artist is the timeline, so kind of that era, right? And those opening vocals and other vocals in the song like those opening vocals. That's your clue for today. And with that, it's been Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast.